The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. This is your tech news briefing for Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Facial recognition technology may put you in mind of dystopian sci-fi movies, but increasingly you may end up using it as your ticket for everything from a concert to a flight. Cool? Convenient? Creepy? Depends on who you ask. Our personal tech columnist Nicole Nguyen joins us to explain why it might be all of them. That's after these headlines. Since Elon Musk took over Twitter last fall, the Federal Trade Commission has stepped up its investigation of potential security and privacy violations by the platform. Twitter reached a settlement with the FTC last year that required it to implement certain privacy controls. According to documents viewed by the Wall Street Journal, the FTC has demanded Twitter turn over internal communications about Musk, along with details on the company's layoffs and other key business decisions. The regulator is also looking to question Musk. Our tech policy reporter Ryan Tracy says it's unusual to see these kinds of requests during an investigation. A lot of people have been calling on the agency to look into Twitter because it's been really chaotic at that company over the last few months. It's been a lot of people let go. And so there have been concerns about with the shrinking staff at the company, can they continue to meet all their obligations with respect to this FTC order in particular, do they have the staff to maintain security of people's data, to be reviewing all their new products to make sure that they're privacy compliant, that sort of stuff that Twitter is required to do under this legally binding order that is signed. These documents are part of the probe, right? And that probe may or may not lead somewhere. Twitter and the FTC didn't respond to requests for comment before the taping of this show. And you can hear more from Ryan Tracy on this morning's edition of our sister podcast, What's News? The German government has launched a review of the country's 5G networks as part of a larger evaluation of its relationship with China. The move suggests Berlin is moving closer to blocking Chinese telecom makers from supplying equipment for German networks. For years, the country has resisted U.S. calls to ban equipment made by Chinese suppliers Huawei and ZTE. Our Berlin reporter, William Boston, explains the shift in Germany's stance. And what's changed now is the adversarial relationship that is building with China and the West, and especially Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and how that exposed Germany's dependence on Russian oil and Russian gas, creating a real crisis where within a a matter of months, they had to completely rebuild their energy supply networks because suddenly Russia weaponized natural gas and stopped delivering it as punishment for Germany's support of Ukraine. Regarding China, there's now concern that maybe they're becoming too dependent on China in a different kind of critical infrastructure, this time in communications, which could expose Germany to new risks if China were able to gain access or even gain control over critical communications networks. 
Chinese vendors currently provide a significant amount of hardware for sections of Germany's 5G networks. And finally, electric bicycles, or e-bikes, may be a fun way to get around, but they also are proving to have a dark side. The number of fires connected to e-bikes is on the rise. In New York City, the fire department said the number of blazes more than doubled last year to 216. Forty people have been injured and two killed from fires linked to e-bikes and electric scooters. Our reporter Scott Patterson explains why the lithium-ion batteries in e-bikes can lead to uncontrollable fires. There's a couple reasons for it. One is that people appear to be tampering with the batteries to altering the chemistry, and that makes them more susceptible to short circuits, which can cause a fire. Another is uh, really cheap e-bikes that are being pumped out of China. People can now buy e-bikes for three, four hundred dollars. And battery experts say if you're going to have an e-bike that costs $300 $400, that battery is not up to par. It's not safe. People are charging their e-bikes inside their apartments overnight. That causes them to overheat, and you can get a sudden fire in the middle of the night, and that can trap people in their apartments. New York's fire department has been working with the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission to investigate causes of the fires. And the New York City Council voted last week on legislation to restrict the sale and rental of devices that fail to meet certain safety standards. Okay, your face can tell people a lot about you. It could also be your ticket to enter more and more. We'll explain why when we come back. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com Claude today. You are probably familiar with the concept of facial recognition. You may have just used it to unlock your phone. The use of facial recognition is growing. Concert venues, sports arenas, even airlines are beginning to let people use their faces as their tickets. And while that may seem convenient, some lawmakers are looking to tighten regulations around this kind of tech, citing privacy concerns and allegations of bias. With me to discuss the increasing use of facial recognition tech and how to keep your data safe is our personal tech columnist, Nicole Nguyen. Hey, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Zoe. Nicole, I'm sure a lot of listeners have a general idea of what facial recognition tech is, but can you give us a brief overview of how it works? Facial recognition tech, as it is today, is basically face-matching software. Some software takes an image of you, maybe via camera in real life, or they look at a government-issued ID. And then when you approach that technology via an entry point like a boarding gate, for example, before you're about to get on an airline, that camera and the software behind it will match your face that it sees in the camera to your government-issued ID. 
Okay, so a boarding gate seems like a little bit of a new place that I might be encountering this. What are some of the newer places that people might experience facial recognition tech? The U.S. government has been using facial recognition technology for a long time in places like airports and at border crossings. But increasingly, you'll see facial recognition tech in places like concert venues, stadiums, and in airports especially. I recently encountered the tech at a trade show conference in Barcelona where there were tens of thousands of attendees, and the technology was sort of used as an express lane to get people really quickly through the venue to the trade show floor. Okay, so you can just use your face as your ticket. That seems a little bit handier. It's certainly difficult to lose that. But how safe is this data? I mean, with anything, I think we worry about what happens to this information. It really depends on where you are. In the European Union, where I attended this conference, the law dictates that anyone who uses facial recognition has to delete that data within 28 days of the final use of the service. And that data must be stored in Europe. In the U.S., the laws are a little bit different. There are a smattering of state-based laws in places like California and Illinois, but there is no federal law governing facial recognition. And so consumers really have to look into the privacy policies of these companies if they're concerned with their biometric data being shared elsewhere. Okay, so what can people do to protect their biometric data? Well, you can certainly look at that company's privacy policy to see how long they're retaining the data, where they're storing it. But ultimately, you cannot predict whether or not that company, if they do choose to keep your biometric data, chooses to pivot in the future. You know, maybe today they're an access point entry company that's trying to process people who are going through a stadium. Maybe tomorrow they're signing up with law enforcement to provide a facial recognition product to police or other agencies. I imagine that some listeners have heard about the issue of facial recognition bias. Can you tell us what the concerns around that are? Research has showed that facial recognition technology is not as accurate for people of color or for women in general. And so if it's not accurate, you know, that may not be as consequential um, if you're trying to get through an express lane to a stadium, but the consequences are much more grave if it's in the hands of law enforcement and they're trying to arrest somebody based on facial matching software. You mentioned some of the differences between the U.S. and Europe in terms of where data can be stored by these facial recognition companies. I mean, is there a, a big difference overall in how lawmakers are approaching this kind of technology? In the U.S., it's very state-based. States like California and Illinois have biometric data privacy laws, but outside of those states, you're not protected by those laws because there is no federal law governing how biometric data needs to be deleted, stored, shared at the U.S. level. Several lawmakers have tried, but those laws have not made it through Congress in any significant way. But I think that we may see more interest in the future as more of these facial recognition access points pop up in public places, like I said, concert venues and stadiums and places like that. And what about in Europe? Are they being more active there in terms of initiating laws for facial recognition? Well, now that data privacy laws in Europe dictate when companies need to delete this data and where they can store it and what they can do with it, and beyond that, there are proposals for banning facial recognition for uses like for identifying people in protests, for example, in private spaces. I think it's generally acknowledged that if you consent to facial recognition being used on you, then that's sort of an appropriate use of it. But a non-appropriate use is 
the government knowing your identity when you're in a public square or at a protest. It seems like there is going to be more and more use of facial recognition. If you want to opt out of, say, all of it, is there a way to do that? Most of the companies today allow you to opt out of facial recognition unless you're at a place like an airport where it's hard to evade if you're going through an international border. But if it's a private company, like, for example, at City Field, where if you're attending a Mets game, most of the entry points have a facial recognition lane and a regular schmegular ticket lane, I think that over time the non-facial recognition option could become very cumbersome. Like, for example, you know, paying a cash at a toll booth rather than using EasyPass for those who travel interstate on the East Coast. And so if non-facial recognition options become cumbersome, then to opt out may be a huge pain in the future. Got it. So our, our faces are now our tickets to everything, or maybe our faces will be our tickets to everything in the future. Yep, that's right. (laughs) All right, that's our personal tech columnist, Nicole Nguyen. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for today's tech news briefing. But a quick note before we close the show. We want to hear your questions about generative artificial intelligence, AI programs like ChatGPT, Microsoft's new Bing search, or MidJourney. And we're going to answer them on an upcoming show. Do you want to know how these AI programs work? What they're capable of? Or maybe what this latest wave of AI development could mean for how we live our lives. Leave us a voicemail with your AI question at 415-439-6482. Once again, that number is 415-439-6482. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Zoe Thomas for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.